Uh, so this morning, uh, we are um, looking uh, at uh, the letter to the Galatians. That's what we're going to be looking at over the next um, nine weeks or so during the summertime. We're going to be going over the book of Galatians. And Galatians, um, if I were to ask you, um, what was Martin Luther, of course, kind of the beginning of the Reformation, what was his least favorite book? What would the answer to that question be? It is James. That's his least favorite. Trick question. What if I were to ask you what his favorite book was, you would say, you would say Galatians. Of course you would, because that's the right answer. And so, and, and as Martin Luther was describing Galatians, he, uh, he, he once said that, uh, that this particular epistle is the one to which he is betrothed. He said, it is my Katie uh, Von Bora, which was his wife. Uh, and so this was like a wife to him, Galatians. So I'm not sure if after this summer, this is going to feel like a spouse to you or not, but uh, it certainly was very uh, meaningful for Martin Luther. And so we look forward to kind of going through this over these next uh, nine weeks. Now, one of the things that's going to happen, this is a six-chapter-long um, book, and so sometimes we're going to have passages that may be a little bit longer than others, and this week is one of those, is a case for that. So uh, we're going to be looking at the first chapter, uh, the whole first chapter. And before I do that, I want to make sure that I don't forget um, to look over here at what Betsy Howden has done. These are words in Galatians that she has kind of put together that then end up looking uh, a bit like Jesus or Jesus' reflection in the midst of that. And so I want to thank Betsy for that, and that will be a reminder to us this whole summer uh, of what we are doing. And so I encourage you, if you want, go up there and kind of look through some of those words uh, during the summer as well. So let's begin by reading the very first chapter in Galatians. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the members of God's family who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from, our, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of God, or will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be accursed. Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval, or am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. You have heard, no doubt, of my earlier life in Judaism. I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the tradition of my ancestors. But when God, who had set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles, I did not confer with any human being. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me. But I went away at once 
into Arabia, and afterwards I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, and just as a quick aside, that is the Aramaic for Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other apostle except James, the Lord's brother. And in what I am writing to you, before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and, was, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard it said that the one who formerly was persecuting us is now proclaiming the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as we begin this look at Galatians. And I pray, Lord, that you would open up our eyes and our ears, asking you who it is that you have called us to be, what it is you have called us to do, what it is you have called us to receive, where it is you have called us to go. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. One of the things that I was always impressed about when it came to my parents whenever I was a child is is the way that we could be in public, and whenever we were doing something, my sister or I, typically I, uh, were doing something that we weren't supposed to be doing, how, how they could so smoothly kind of look like nothing was wrong, and yet it was clear to us that we were in big trouble. Um, you know, sometimes when we were in worship, we would be acting up a little bit, right? And, and my mother would, um, would perhaps kind of put her hand on my leg, and, and, and everyone who was looking around would be like, oh, isn't that sweet? Look at that. She loves her son. But in reality, right, my leg felt like it was about to fall off because she would be pinching it so hard. Uh, and so while it looked like she was just loving me, she was really hurting me. And, 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 and other times, they would be very, almost like a ventriloquist, really, the way that, the, that they would sit there and they would be smiling and looking around, but kind of through gritted teeth, you know, they would say, <laughs> just wait till we get home. <laughs> and we were, we were terrified, but everybody else thought that everything was just good and right, right? And, and so Megan and I have also kind of, uh, over our uh, few years now of being a parent, we've also kind of developed um, uh, the, uh, the ability to do this also. But what we tend to do is, if we're at someone's house, we oftentimes go over to someone's house. We'll kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll be there. And when our kids are acting like they shouldn't, which happens more often than I wish, um, um, we would say something like, okay, just, you know, just wait. It's, everything's okay. Because you don't want to make a big deal because then it gets embarrassing. And, you know, you know, the people whose house you're at are embarrassed because your children are so poorly behaved. And so it's just very awkward. But then what we'll do is we'll get in the van, right? And the windows may be rolled down and we're in reverse as we go back in the driveway and we're, we're waving and we're saying, oh, wasn't that great? Hey, kids, wave. <laughs> And then when we get to the road, right, we'll make sure the windows are all the way up. And when we hit drive, our mouths hit drive, right? And we're like, what are you thinking? You were acting like you're being raised by a pack of wolves in there. These, it was so embarrassing. And on and on, we'll go about halfway to the house, right? That's just kind of what we do. And I was thinking about that uh, as I was looking over this particular passage. Because in some ways, it seems like um, this is what Paul is doing with the Galatians, right? If you'll just uh, picture the Galatians are in the van with Paul, and they're waving as they back up to the driveway. They're waving at their friends because he, he begins kind of so nicely here. Grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. 
amen. And the amen is when he shifts into drive. Because immediately then, right, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. And then he he goes on and he begins to say, if anyone takes you away from the gospel, let that one be accursed. And then he says again, if there's anyone, let that one be accursed. And all of a sudden, right, Paul goes from this kind of nice, you know, uh, a, a general kind of soft opening to kind of all of a sudden, just letting the Galatians absolutely have it. And this is very different than the other letters to which Paul writes. Usually when Paul writes, he has a section called Thanksgiving. And he he says things like, whenever I think of you, I give thanks, you know, for you. There's none of that here, right? It's like those times. Sometimes people say, oh, whenever I think of my kids, I always think, you know, thank God for you. No. No, they don't, right? I mean, there are some times when your kids are acting in such a way that you're like, I am not thanking God for you right now, right? Now, when I say that, sometimes grandparents are like, oh, no, that's not the case. No, that is the case. I remember, right? There were times when clearly my parents were not happy. They were not thinking, right? And right now, even though he's writing to these Galatians and he loves and cares for the Galatians, he is not saying, I'm thanking God for you. He is going off on them. And the reason why he is doing that, the reason why he is angry, and we'll get into more details of this in the weeks to come, but just to kind of uh, let you know right now, is because there are some, it seems, who have infiltrated the ranks of the church and who are saying that in order to really have the salvation and experience the salvation of Christ, you have to do more than just accept that grace, that you have to do something as well. And Paul is saying, absolutely not. There is nothing that you can do or have done. It is all about the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, in some ways, that feels a little bit odd to get so angry, to be so furious about grace. I mean, if you think about it, there's lots of reasons why the church has issues. There's lots of reasons why we get in fights. There's lots of reasons why Christians get angry at one another or at others. But if you think about some of those reasons and think about them even now, right? What are some of those reasons? And you can kind of quickly come up with some of those. How often is it because they're upset because people or because we don't have grace or because we aren't experiencing grace on our own or because we don't think enough about the grace of Jesus Christ? The reality is oftentimes that's not what we get in fights about. And a part of the reason why that is, someone has suggested, is because we actually live in kind of an overachievement kind of society, which means we don't get that upset if you mess with grace a little bit because we like to think that we have something to bring to the table when it comes to our salvation. We are people who like adages like God helps those who help themselves and and pull yourself up by the bootstraps and there are no free rides. Well, I'll have you know that none of those things are in the Bible. Right? And sometimes we act as if they are. But the reality is, is Paul realizes that if we don't start, when it comes to our salvation and our reconciliation with Christ, with grace and grace alone, then we are going to be in grave danger. It's kind of like when you shoot a gun. I never have, but I'm guessing when you shoot a gun and you're there and you have the barrel and if you turn it just a little bit, you don't have to turn it much, but just a little bit to the left or to the right, up or down, it may not seem like much at first, but as you get 50 yards down and then 100 and then 150, the bullet ends up far away from the original target. 
And in the same way, Paul understands that if we start trying to take a little bit of credit, that we can add a little bit to the grace of God, then as we continue on this journey, we will end up far away from where the Lord wants us to be. Now, again, in the weeks to come, we're going to be talking a lot more about this, but I at least kind of wanted to kind of start us off by realizing that grace for Paul is remarkably important. But it seems that not only are people going in there and talking ill about grace, they're also, it seems, they are, they are, being, they are vilifying Paul as well. There are those who are questioning his authority. There are uh, those who are wondering whether or not he was really an apostle. And then there are also those who have gathered who are saying, you know what, he's a people pleaser. All he wants to do is make people happy. Which is why, I think kind of somewhat almost comedically, um, Paul kind of goes off on the Galatians, right? As we've already said in verses like 6, 7, 8, 9, he keeps kind of going off on them and talking about how this is ridiculous. And then he says, after all of that, oh, am I trying to please people now? Are you still feeling like I'm trying to just make you happy? Right? In other words, he's almost mocking them, if you will, to say, no, clearly this is not what is important to me, is making sure that you are happy. So that gets us then to about the middle part. And here we have a question with how exactly is Paul going to counter what the people are saying about him? The people who are questioning grace, the people who are questioning, it seems, even Jesus, perhaps, and certainly the people who are questioning Paul. Paul's oftentimes known as being a real kind of logical rhetorician, and he likes to kind of go through theologically or philosophically on things. But but that's not what Paul does here. No, instead what Paul does here is Paul begins to tell them his story. He begins to tell a story, and it's his own kind of autobiography, and he does this in other places, and I'm sure you, you heard it. Paul begins to talk about how when he was uh, raised up, he was a very good Jew, and how he was doing, he was very successful. He was better than most of his counterparts, his colleagues. He was doing incredible, and then all of a sudden, Christ met him, and he received the grace of Christ, and everything began to change, and he began to study. He began to learn more about Jesus Christ. Eventually, he would go, and he would meet up with people. Peter in Jerusalem, and he said that people were amazed that this person who was once persecuting them, now because he had received grace, was all of a sudden preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. And so Paul begins to tell his story. Now, what we might say in church lingo is that Paul begins to give his testimony. He begins to testify. And that's not something that we talk about a whole lot in Presbyterian circles. I don't know when the last time was that you guys, you know, said, hey, does anyone here have a testimony they want to share? Anyone remember the last time? Okay. Not a lot of us, right? But in the tradition in which I was raised, maybe in the traditions in which some of you were raised, that was a pretty key part. In fact, almost every worship service, there was usually a time, okay, we're going to set apart this time now. If anybody has a testimony, wants to come up and share where they've seen God at work or have experienced the grace of Jesus, you know, come on up now. And so someone would come up and sometimes, you know, as a child, sometimes some of the things that they were talking about were kind of jaw dropping and you were like, whoa. And other times it was a little bit more pedestrian, but, uh, but, there, but this was kind of what we did. 
did. In fact, I can even recall some worship services where, uh, where the pastor might say, who do we have visiting with us today? And, 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 and someone would, you know, say, I'd love for you to stand up, you know, which is already kind of awkward in and of itself. And so the person would stand and, and then the, the pastor would have a microphone and he'd go up and he'd say, great, it's so great to have you visit. Your name, okay, that's great. Do you have a testimony that you'd like to share about God? So I know we have some visitors here today. So is there anyone? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so it was simply a part of what we did. We, we, we shared where we had seen God, and we shared where the grace of Jesus Christ was. And that's just not something that we typically is a part of our kind of congregation. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Uh, one of them, of course, is that we like doing things decently and in order. And whenever you have space for people to come up and give testimonies, sometimes that can get indecent and out of order pretty quickly, right? It can, it can be a little awkward. And sometimes I think perhaps we, are, we have been recipients of people wanting to share with us things that maybe we didn't want them to share. And, uh, and there's, there's lots of other reasons. Sometimes we don't want to offend people. And sometimes, and I might suggest this is perhaps most times, we don't want to kind of have a time when we are asked to share how we have seen God at work in our lives or about the grace of Jesus and how we have received it because we don't really know that we have anything to say. That we're not really sure, that we haven't maybe really thought about it all that much. And we don't know what we would say. We don't know what our story would be. But I want to say that it's incredibly important in our day and age in which we live for us to begin thinking about how might you, like Paul, as he begins to give his testimony and tell his story of how he has seen God at work, what might we say? Because it is important in an era in which we live, in which story is very important, but also one in which there is much skepticism and cynicism, and when the church is seeing as being oftentimes incredibly hypocritical, when there will be those who are questioning Jesus or grace or God, and one of the best things that we can do is not to sit there and say, well, here are the 10 reasons why you should believe, though that's great and good and right, but perhaps to be able to share with people, this is where I can tell you, for me at least, this is where I have experienced the grace and the love of Jesus. And this is where I have experienced God at work in my life, just like Paul does in Galatians. And the reality, of course, is that this should actually come fairly naturally. We should be excited to do this, really. I mean, one of the things as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of a trip that I took about a decade ago. It was the very first time I had ever been to London. And I went, I was by myself, and I took a train in from Scotland, and, and then I got right into the, um, the subway, the tube, and so I, I took that right to a hostel, right? And uh, I think we've already talked about the fact that I hate hostels, and that's neither here nor there, but it was not a good hostel experience. And I was there, but I still hadn't yet seen any of the sights of London because I'd been underground the whole time. And the sun was beginning to set. And I said, I want to get out and I am ready to see London at night. And so I, I had my map in one hand. I had my uh, Rick Steves book in my other hand. And, and, and he gave me this great tour. He said, okay. He gave it to me as if it was a personal. And, and so he, you go to the River Thames and then you kind of, you turn left and then you, you walk along, right? And you're going to be able to see the parliament building, all those things. So I said, okay. So I was ready. And so I began to walk and, and and by this time, it was completely dark, and I took about two steps out onto a bridge. I reached the Thames, about two steps out onto the bridge, and I looked over to the left, and I thought, you know what, I, can, I think I can see some things over there. And then I looked over to the right, and the very next bridge over was Tower 
Bridge. Okay, and this is a picture. I'm sure you've heard of it before and seen it before, but this is exactly what it was. And I sat and I stood there and my mouth was just agape. I was like, wow. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I had seen pictures. I'd seen movies. I'd heard about it. But to actually be able to see how magnificent it was and the beauty of it, it was remarkable. It's kind of like those moments sometimes when maybe you see a celebrity like in real life and you're like, wow, is this, this is really that person? And it was, it was remarkable. And so I just stood there for a while and I was just with my mouth agape, just kind of staring at it. Right. But one of the things that I started doing is I looked at this beautiful bridge that I was experiencing, right. Is I started looking to the left and to the right. And the reason I was looking to the left and to the right was not because I was saying, well, what else is there? It's because I wanted to share it with somebody. I mean, I was seeing this magnificent thing. I had this remarkable kind of experience and I wanted to be like, oh my goodness, can you believe that? It's amazing. And and I wanted someone to stand next to me and say, I know this is incredible. London's great. And and then me to come back and say, jolly good show, right? And just be ridiculous, right? As, as, As tourists are and just kind of go back and forth, but there was nobody, right? And so people just looked at me like, what is this guy doing? And why is he going back and forth like that? And, but there was nobody to share it with. And it was as if the experience wasn't quite as grand because I wasn't able to really just share. It was just something natural that when you experience something remarkable, you want to share it with others. And it seems to me that if we have actually experienced the grace of Jesus Christ, and if we are actually excited about the ways that we have seen God at work, it should almost be natural to us to want to share that story with others, just like Paul is always willingly to share his own life, his own story with others. And so as I was looking at this passage, one of the questions that came to my mind was, how many of us are excited to share how they have seen God at work in their lives. And I don't ask that question so that you will feel guilty if the answer to that is, well, I really don't feel that excited because I have a feeling there are probably many of us who are not necessarily excited about that. And if that's the case, one of the easy things to think would be like, well, maybe I haven't experienced grace or maybe God's not really at work and maybe that's why I don't have anything to share. And, but I want to tell you that I don't think that that's more often than not, that that's not actually the reason why. And the reason why I think that is because I'm reminded of that night on the bridge. And as I stood there, I told you that I was alone, but I wasn't alone. No, we were in the middle of London, fairly sizable city. This was around rush hour. There was a tube station on the other side of the bridge, which means, of course, there were hundreds of people walking back and forth across the bridge. But guess what they were not noticing at all? This amazing bridge. And the reason for that, well, there's probably many reasons. One of them is probably because they had seen this bridge a thousand times ever since they were two years old and the first time they saw it. Others were, of course, because they were going home and they, and they, they, they were going backwards or forwards and they were on a mission and they just wanted to hurry up and get home or, or go to work or go to play wherever they were going. And so it didn't change. The beauty was there. I mean, the tower was really there. The bridge was there. But because they had perhaps seen it so often or because they were so busy, they simply were no longer excited or all that interested in it, right? And all I wanted to do as an obnoxious tourist was just to be, and nobody cared. 
And as, as I continue to think about that, it seems to me that so often there may be some of us who were raised in the church like I was. And, and, and you know, you've heard about grace your whole life and you just, you don't really think about it that much anymore. It's just kind of part of what you do. Or maybe you've been at church for so long that you don't really take the time to think about it. Or it may be that you're just so busy in your life that you don't really have time to kind of stop to say, you know what, I, I wonder where I have seen God working in my life. And as I was thinking about this, I realized that a part of the role of the preacher, whether it's me or Scott or John or whomever it is, and a part of the role of a worship service is we are supposed to be the obnoxious tourists. And we are supposed to stop you all who are the Londoners and who are too busy or have been a part of this for too long and say, no, wait, stop, stop right where you are. Wait, are you, you see this cross? It's a grace. You see this? When's the last time that you stopped to kind of look at it? When's the, when's, the, when's the last time that you stopped to kind of say, what difference is this making? And if I had a story to share, or if somebody was questioning grace or Jesus, what might I, what might I say to them? When's the, when's the last time you stopped to think about that? I was reading a book this week that talked about the fact that really worship is supposed to be a language school and we are supposed to help one another to come up with words that express our faith. And so hopefully you were given uh, today as you came in a piece of paper and I want us to take just a couple of minutes here, uh, two or three minutes, um, and I want you to think about is there, if you had to write down, if someone were to say to you, you know what, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't really believe in this living God, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't know about this grace thing, and if you had to say, let me tell you one experience that I have had, would you have anything to say? And so I want you to just stop, and I want you to think about it for a couple of minutes to kind of get off of kind of running back and forth on the bridge and just wait and just stop and listen. And if you have something, write it down. If you don't, I don't want you to feel guilty about that right now. I'll tell you when to feel guilty about it later. I don't want you to do that. I just want you to, to stop and just think about that for a couple of minutes now.
As I said, it seems to me that a part of what we do here at worship is that we um, are called to be those obnoxious tourists that gets you to stop and to think about your faith a little bit more. And, and as I was thinking about that, uh, one of the things, if you don't have anything, if you couldn't think of anything, it, it could be, maybe, maybe you haven't experienced that grace. And if you haven't, Pastor Scott or I would be more than happy to talk to you about that. Um, I have a feeling for others, it may just be kind of a lack of really having given it much thought. Um, and so one of the things I want you to do is to take that card home and to think about it this week. But I was also, as I was thinking about this a little bit more, I realized that many of us are going to be going on vacations this summer. And as we're kind of out and about, there's going to be a lot of us um, who probably um, 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 see some, some tourists, right? And um, one of the things that I, I realized is that sometimes I'll give you a homework assignment and it's hard. We don't have an image to remember, you know, okay, and uh, or it makes it easier, I should say, if we have an image to remember what the homework assignment. So as I was thinking about that, I was, um, I told you I'll several weeks ago that I had gone through uh, Pastor Scott's office when he wasn't there just to kind of rifle through because I was bored. And, and, and so as I did that, I pulled out a particular drawer. And in that drawer, I think were things that he must have taken with him to France. Uh, and so I took a picture of one of those things. Can you show what it was? This was when he was in France last summer. He had this, um, he, did, was this, no? Oh, okay. He didn't have this on, but I want you to, uh, I want you to think about this big USA fanny pack right here. Okay. And when you, when you go this summer and you see an obnoxious tourist, right? Maybe it's someone who's just being way too loud. Maybe it's someone like my children who are misbehaving or, or maybe who, whatever it is. When you see a tourist, uh, or when you see Scott wearing this or, or, or me, uh, I want you to remember, um, I want you to remember the story. And I want you to remember and ask yourself, okay, wait, when's the last time? When's the last time I reflected on the grace of Jesus and what difference that makes? When's the, when's the last time I, I began to ask myself, how have I seen God at work in my life? Knowing, knowing that there are times when you knowing the answer to that and being able to tell that story may make an impact on those who are questioning the importance of grace and those who are questioning the difference that God has made in their lives. So I was thinking about that this week, and as I was reading, one of the things that um, one of the things I was reading was talking about the importance of story, and the importance of the fact of having people who are courageous enough to tell their story. That all of us, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, while you may have just randomly found a Bible someplace, more than likely the reason why you have that faith is because someone told you about it. Someone told you the story, perhaps of the faith in their own lives or in the Bible. And oftentimes that gets told to us when we're children. And I was thinking about that today because of the fact that today we have a a dedication. And so I'll ask Pastor Scott and all of you, if you want to come forward and Pastor Scott's going to lead this, but we're going to be dedicating a a child today. And again, a a part of the, a a part of this uh, worship is, is our answering to the fact that we will, we will help, uh, Josie, we'll help this child um, and help her in her faith. And a part of that comes for our willingness to tell the story of Jesus to her. And so Scott, if you want to go ahead and then. 